It, it, is a, it is a Sunday, they say, is one of the most difficult for a preacher uh, because of all of the turkey in our system and, as was mentioned, the tryptophan, which makes us a little bit sleepy. So I want to uh, just encourage you now, uh, look alive out there this morning, all right? Look, look alive out there and stay awake, and would you all do me a promise? Let me know if I get to nodding off. Would y'all do that this morning, huh? Because I've had, uh, I've had lots of turkey and had a, had a great time uh, catching up with uh, my side of the family, Jessica's side of the family, and uh, had, a, had a real good week celebrating uh, God's many, many blessings. Uh, this is a, a time of the year where uh, we, we focus maybe a little bit more on uh, how, how good uh, God has been to us. He's good every day, but uh, sometimes this time of the year... Maybe we think about it a little bit more than we normally do. Um, I hope you had a great th- Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoyed time with family. Hope you enjoyed good food. And uh, as we gather to worship this morning, we turn our attention towards uh, just rejoicing in, in how good God is, how He's worthy of our praise, how many times we take for granted uh, His goodness and His blessings and His mercy. I know that uh, this time of the year is usually a reminder for me uh, as to just how good God's been to us and how often we take that for granted. Uh, just recently, we uh, uh, had a, a special Sunday night service for Operation Christmas Child Shoeboxes where those were gathered and, and brought in. And uh, by the way, just giving God thanks, uh, 400 and I think 433 shoeboxes. Let's give God thanks and praise for that, that effort. Amen. But one, one of the things that's always very humbling for me when we go as a family to, uh, to, to buy the things that go into those shoeboxes um, is just, I don't know, again, just being reminded that, like, and we do it as a family, so we take our kids out, but just being reminded that some of these, like, the wow, the wow toys, you know, that we fit in these shoeboxes, uh, just being reminded how... You know, if my kids got that for Christmas, or if all they got for Christmas was just a small uh, shoebox, um, how how let down they would be, how disappointed they would be, how they've come to expect so much more, and yet this is like the highlight. I used to say the highlight of the year for a child somewhere in the world, but we just found out this year many children will only get one shoebox their entire life. And so this is no longer the highlight of their year. It might be it's the highlight of their life to get this shoebox. And so it's always a reminder that uh, we're just so blessed. When we went shopping this year uh, for our, our children in our shoeboxes, uh, we had to coach the kids up. As we went in and we were going to be in the toy section, we had to coach the kids up and remind them, this is not for us. We're not, we're not leaving with anything uh, for us, you know, that, that we're not here for us, we're here for, for children of the world to make their uh, Christmas uh, brighter and to share Jesus with them. And don't even ask, you know, don't ask for anything. We're not leaving with anything. We're not even, I don't even want to hear, I don't even want to hear what you want for Christmas today. Amen, somebody? Uh, th- this is not about us. And so we had to coach them so it wasn't all about them. And they did well. We, we didn't leave, we didn't leave with anything. You know, kids didn't leave with any toys or anything. It was all for the children we were shopping for. With the exception, I did sneak a chocolate candy bar in for me uh, when nobody was looking. Yeah, somebody say amen. Yeah, because I'm dad, and dad doesn't always have to play by the kids' rules. Amen? Come on, dads, get behind me this morning, huh? No, yeah, get behind me, yeah, yeah. 
I don't, I don't have to play by the kids' rules all the time, all right? But uh, listen, don't, don't judge me. Uh, you've been there. How many of you know sometimes that chocolate candy bar is just calling your name? Let me see your hands if you've been there, right? So uh, with, with the exception of that, that again, I did sneak into the cart, uh, we, we made that trip about someone else and, and, and not about our kids. And our kids were there to shop for other kids of the world. But it's always a reminder. It's just a reminder of how much that we take for granted. And this time of the year, it's a great time to just, just say, Lord, help me to be thankful all throughout the year, not just Thanksgiving Day or Thanksgiving week or Thanksgiving Christmas season. But God, help me, help me to be thankful all throughout the year for all your many blessings. We close out a series this morning called Today is the Day. This is a series that we've been in for a number of weeks whereby we have just been looking at uh, living with urgency, living with a passion for God's plan for our life, making the most of every day, making sure the most important things are the most important things and that we don't put off till tomorrow the things that we know we must do today, making sure that we're saved making sure that we're obeying the Lord, making sure that there's not something He's been calling us to that we're saying no to, uh, making sure we're loving people, that we're loving God, that we're not putting off till tomorrow to say, I love you, or you matter, or I care about you, living with urgency. And this morning, we close out this series by being reminded that today is the day to rejoice in the Lord. That today is the day to rejoice in the Lord. Now, if you have a Bible with you, um, if you would, turn with me to the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 118 this morning. Psalms 118 this morning. This is our text uh, here as we uh, look at the subject of today is the day to rejoice in the Lord. Psalms chapter 118 verses 21 through 29. Now, as you make your way there, I want you to recognize that this is what we call a messianic psalm. It's a psalm that hundreds of years before Jesus was born spoke of things that would happen during the ministry of Christ. And those things were applied to the ministry of Christ in the New Testament. In fact, Psalms 118 along with Psalms 110 are the two most quoted psalms of the New Testament. Psalms 118, 21 through 29 is a section we believe that was written by Moses. Scholars believe it was written by Moses during those wilderness wanderings. But again, so much of what's written, written here would be applied in the New Testament to the life of Christ. Psalms 118 21 to 29, the psalmist says, perhaps Moses says, I will praise you, for you have answered me and you've become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord, and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God, 
and I will praise you. You are my God. I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And all God's people said, amen. Again, this is a psalm and this is a passage that's very messianic in nature. Much that happens here and is recorded here in this passage refers to things that happened during the ministry of Christ. The thing we want to build a foundation off of this morning as we start is Psalms 118 and verse 24. Uh, Looking at verses 22 through 24, the Bible says that the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, or it's become the most important stone. This was the Lord's doing. It's something that's marvelous in our eyes. Verse 24, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, how many of you know that there is a song that we sing based off of verse 24? How many of you think you might know what that song is? Raise your hand. How many of you think you might know how it goes? Raise your hand. How many of you think that we could do it right now, just kind of impromptu? Do you think we could do it? Raise your hand. How many of you are a little scared that I'm going to be leading it? Let me see your your hands. All right, thank you for your honesty. Uh, Yeah, well-known song that we sing, and and, uh, it's based right off this verse, verse 24. This is the day. Now, we're going to try this, all right? I'm going to sing, and you're going to echo, all right? And then when we get to the last part, whatever that is called musically, we're going to all sing it together, okay? I think you'll catch on. Uh, It'll be fun, even if it's a train wreck and all God's people said, amen. All right. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice. And be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Everybody give the Lord a hand clap of praise, huh? Brother Brian, wherever you are, your job is very secure. I can, I, can, I, can, I can assure you of that. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. It's, it's interesting the context of this verse. I mean, understanding the Bible right where it's written and how it's meant to be understood is so critical. And the proximity of verse 24, this is the day the Lord has made, to verse 22 gives us insight as into what is this day that is being mentioned. Now, it's fine to apply this to every day of life. It's fine to wake up every morning and say, hey, God's given me a new life. God's given me new breath. This is the day God's given me. I'm going to rejoice in it. But if we look in the context, this passage is referring to a specific day. In fact, we see allusions to it in verse 22. This phrase, the stone which the builders rejected, has become the chief cornerstone. It's interesting that in 1 Peter chapter 2, and then also in the book of Acts, 
Peter, the apostle, refers to that specific verse, verse 22, this stone that was rejected that's now become the cornerstone. And it's very clear in the writings of Peter that what this is referring to and how it's applied is to the cross of Calvary, where Jesus went and suffered and bled and died for us. It was that place where where people rejected God. It was at the cross where the the people of God, the Jewish people, we might want to say the, the leaders specifically, the Jewish leaders said no to God's plan of Jesus being their Messiah. He was rejected and he was hung on a cross He was rejected by men, but how many of you know that Sunday was coming, amen? That the resurrection was coming, the day when Jesus rose from the dead, and the gospel that would be preached and the gospel that would be shared would be shared based upon the fact that this stone or that Jesus who was rejected by men has now become the most important stone in the building of God. In fact, turn over, if you would, to Acts chapter 4. Turn over in your Bible to Acts chapter 4 this morning. I want you to see how Peter, here in this passage, applies this Psalms passage to the cross, to Calvary, and to the gospel message that we're saved through Jesus and Jesus alone. Acts chapter 4, 8 through 12. The Bible says that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, by the way, this is after the resurrection, this is early church, rulers and elders of the people, verse 9, Acts 4, if we're being called into account today for an act of kindness shown to a a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is, notice this church, verse 11. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Church, I want you to recognize that that the Apostle Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, has the authority from heaven to tell us what Psalms 118 means, what Psalms 118 and 22 through 24 means. And what he says is that this was a reference to the crucifixion and to the resurrection. This was a reference to that dark time when God's Son hung on Calvary's cross. And our confession, because of what God did by raising Him from the dead, our confession, the power of our confession is that we're able to look to the cross. We're able to look to Calvary. We're able to look to the place where God's Son hung and bled and died for our sins and say, today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. And be glad in it because there's a resurrection coming three days later. Now this is a foundation, I believe, 
for our praise each and every day, regardless of what we're going through. Because the cross, listen, the cross, the crucifixion of Christ, God's Son hanging on a tree, it is both mysteriously the worst thing that's ever happened in history and the greatest thing that's ever happened in history all in one day, all on one tree. If you look through human eyes, if you understand that God came to earth, that God put on flesh, that God was born as a baby, that, that, that God went to a cross, that we, we put him there, that he was crucified for our sins. It's the most horrible thing in the world that we would do that to God. And yet the Bible teaches that God in that. Listen, God in the worst sin ever committed, hanging Jesus on the cross, God through that sin actually paid for our sins. And on the third day rose again, showing that God is a God that can bring good stuff out of bad stuff. God is a God who can bring deliverance. He can bring freedom out of the dark night of our soul. That, that valleys can become mountains. That Romans 8 and 28, all things can work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. This is a foundation, church. That, that we could be called to look at the cross, to look at where Jesus was rejected, and say, today's the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. Well, my friends, that can be applied to any day of your life, no matter what you're going through. Because as a child of God, as one born again, as one led by the Holy Spirit, saved by the blood of Christ, we are people who know that, that, that God raises the dead that, that God turns the, the dark night in, into a bright night. That, that God is a God that never forsakes His people, never leaves His people. And because of that, no matter what you're going through this morning, no matter what I'm going through this morning, I can still rejoice in God because He is worthy of my praise no matter what I'm going through. Amen? Yeah. And He can be trusted no matter what I'm going through. That's what I want to encourage you in this morning in this message is just, is just to rejoice in the Lord no matter what you're going through. To continue to worship God no matter what you're going through. To continue to serve God. Continue to get in the Word of God. Continue to come to church and meet with fellow believers and share your faith and love God and pray and just continue to rejoice in the Lord. That Today's the day to rejoice in the Lord no matter what you're going through. I want to encourage you in that response because it's in our response to what's going on in our life. Maybe the bad stuff going on in your life this morning. It's our response that is crucial to whether we get better or whether we get bitter. Those who worship God anyways, they get better. They become a better person through that trial. But those who turn on God, those who blame God, those who give, out, give up on God, check out on God, they get bitter during the trial. It's all about our response to that cross, so to speak, in our life, that suffering in our life, that dark night in our life. Our response makes all the difference in the world. There's a story I love to share. It was in Reader's Digest that paints a beautiful picture of how our response is critical. How we respond to a difficult moment makes all the difference in the world. Uh, Reader's Digest carried an article on some of the best responses ever given 
uh, for those who were given a speeding ticket? You know, what, what's their response as to why they were speeding or what would they say when they were confronted? And the winner in that Reader's Digest article was a young man who happened to get pulled over. He was doing 20 miles over the speed limit. And the officer had been there all day, and he hadn't ticketed anybody. And so 20 miles over, guy is pulled over, and uh, he says to the young man, he says, you know what, I've been here all day, and you're the first person that I've pulled over for speeding. And uh, so as he's interacting with him and, and talking with him, he says, so I guess you can say, young man... <laughs> that I have been waiting here for you all day. <laughs> to which the young man said, well, I got here as fast as I could. <laughs> Reader's Digest says that when the officer stopped laughing, uh, he just gave him a warning for that and said, don't let it happen again. It's an example where the response was incredible during that time of trial. And the Bible tells us that during times of trials that we're to respond by loving God anyway. In fact, Romans 8 and 28 says, we, all, we know that in all things God works together for the good of those who love Him. Folks, that's a key to understanding that passage, Romans 8 and 28, that God works all things together for good to those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. My friends... Listen, I love you so much, and this is going to hurt some of you, but I just got to speak truth this morning. If, if, if you only worship God when things are good, if, if you only lift up a song, if you only pray, if you only go to church when, when things are good, but you check out on God the moment things are not great in your life, you've got to question whether Romans 8.28 really applies to you because you've got to question, do you, listen, listen to me, do you really love God? Hello. Somebody say hello. Do you really love God? If you're checking out, if you're giving up on God, if you're blaming God, if you're ready to run from Him and run from church and run from commitment, the moment something bad happens, here's my question. I only ask you this because I love you. Do you really love God? Are you coming to the table to meet with God because you love God or only because of what you get from the table? Romans 8 and 28, and we know that God works all things together for good to those who love Him and those who are called according to His purpose. Those who cling to Him, those who follow Him, those who rejoice in Him, those that trust in Him, that, that He's going to come through, He's going to deliver in His time. His time is not my time, but in His time, He's going to come through. He's going to deliver. He's going to grow me. He's worthy of my praise. My friends, I want you to know this morning, this is the testimony of my heart. God's been good to me. God's been good to you. And if God had saved me from my sins by dying on the cross and never did another thing for me, He's already done too much. Let's worship Him today. Let's rejoice in Him today. He is a God who can bring good from bad, who brought the resurrection from the cross, who brought the bright lights of the empty tomb from the darkness of the cross so that we could point back and say, today is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. If you want an example to encourage you in your faith, 
as to how good can come from bad. Maybe you're saying, hey, I, I, I would, as we begin to move to a close this morning, I would be helped, Brother Kevin, if you could just give me an example of how good can come from bad. I could use scriptural examples, but I thought it was interesting. Just was reading the news a few years ago and came across an interesting story of a young man by the name of Eugene Finney. Uh, he and his family were on vacation in Huntington Beach a few summers ago. And he had, while there in the ocean water, he had an encounter with a shark on, on vacation. Had a big gash in his back and, and had, a, had an encounter with a shark. Now, uh, see if you follow me. Um, a, a day sharing the waters in the ocean with a shark, in my book, is not a good day. Raise your hand if you're with me. All right. Uh, to have an encounter with a shark in the ocean water, that's not a good day. Raise your hand if you're with me. By the way, something you may not know about me, I am like irrationally crazy fearful of sharks. I don't ever go in the water without thinking, is there a shark somewhere around me? I, I, I have a crazy fear. If you ever want to scare me, involve sharks in some way. All right? I have a crazy, irrational fear of sharks. This would not be a good day for me, for sure. And I don't know why, I don't know why I am so afraid of sharks. The only thing I can think of is that my dad took me to watch Jaws when I was like three years old. How many of you think there's a connection? Okay, I, and I don't know that I was three. I just remember <laughs> I was too young. <laughs> I don't know what I, I, I was too young. It terrified me. So a, a day in the water with a shark in which I have an encounter with a shark and I have a gash on my back from a shark, that is not a good day. That's not a good vacation. Are you with me? If you just don't come back and say that vacation was incredible, raise your hand, huh? How do you get a good day out of this? How does anything good come out of this in Eugene Finney's life? I'm glad you asked that question. When Eugene went to the hospital to have them look at that gash, they began doing some examinations and, and looking at his, his body, checking him out and things, did some scans. And they found out that Eugene Finney had cancer that he didn't know about. Young man would, wouldn't have been on his radar to even go and have something like that looked at. But because he was in a shark attack, they check him out, find out he has cancer, got it early enough they were able to eradicate it. He was able to move beyond it, remove it, whatever. And Eugene Finney today is cancer-free because of a shark attack. Somebody thank God for bringing good out of bad. Somebody thank you. That's an example of what God does. You probably have your own story. Or you know somebody that has their own story. I say what I say this morning just to say this. God is worthy of our praise. God is worthy of our rejoicing. God is worthy of us thanking Him. And I just want to encourage you as we close this morning, and again, as we look at this passage, this passage in Psalms that encourages us, verse 24, to recognize that this is the day the Lord has made, to rejoice and be glad in it. I just, I just want to encourage you to just hang in there. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what you're going through. 
But hang in there and hold on and cling to Jesus. Don't give up and don't check out and don't stop worshiping. Continue to love him. Continue to worship him. Continue to serve him because God is good. And all the time, and if he never did anything beyond just laying down his life for my sins and rising again, for this poor wretched sinner, he's already done too much. Anything he does beyond that, it's just icing on the cake. I want to encourage you this morning, if you want some help on how to rejoice in the Lord always, I want to encourage you to count your blessings. I want to encourage you to become a person that, that begins to, on a regular basis to count your blessings. To, to, to make, to make a, a, an attempt to consciously, deliberately count the blessings in your life. Every morning when you wake up. Every night when you go to sleep. Say, Lord, with your help, with your help, I'm not going to take the devil's suggestion and focus on that one area of my life that's not okay. Lord, with your help, I'm going to focus on the million reasons why God has shown that he is for me and not against me. The millions of reasons why God has blessed me, why God has favored me, why God has proven his love for me. And God, with your help, I'm going to focus on those things, and I'm going to count my many blessings. love the story I... Uh, you'll hear this from me more than once because it always blesses me. And it seems like it's this time of the year when this story uh, pops back into my mind. It's a story shared by a pastor, uh, Jack Byrne from North Carolina, a worship pastor in North Carolina, who had an opportunity to go on a mission trip years ago and he found himself ministering in a, in a leper colony. And there in that leper colony leading worship, he, just, he comes back and comes back to the States and he just says, I, I just can't put into words what I saw in that, in that leper colony. He mentioned specifically one lady that during the singing time, her back was turned to Jack as Jack was leading songs. And, and he says he could catch a glimpse every now and then of her, but this woman had been just, just eaten up from leprosy. No, no ears, no nose, no lips, just... just uh, no, no fingers on her hands. He says, I, I, I had just never seen anything like it. He says, we're getting ready to sing one more song. And, and, and I'm specifically just noticing how, what, what a desperate situation this woman's in. And we're getting ready to sing one, one last song. And I say, all right, folks, through, through an interpreter, we've got, we've got time for one more song. Um, what, 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 re what request do you have? What would you like to sing? He says, I'll never forget it. This woman in the back of the church lifted up a fingerless hand and said, Can we sing the song, Count Your Many Blessings? Well, Jack was taken aback by that and had tears in his eyes. And he led by her, by her request, he led in the song, Count, Count Your Many Blessings. When he finished, he was so tore up, he couldn't continue in the service. And he kind of excused himself and collapsed down outside the church. And he just began to weep. 
another a fellow missionary came out and sat next to him and says, Well, Jack, you'll probably never sing that song again, will you? And Jack said, Oh, yeah. I'll sing it again, but I'll never sing it in the same way. I'll sing it again, but I'll never sing it in the same way. And I want to submit to you this morning, if a woman can lift up a fingerless hand and say, let's sing, count our many blessings, then we, we can say, Lord, help me to count my many blessings. The epitome of God's blessings, the cross of Calvary, where God came from heaven to earth after living a perfect life and died for your sins and mine. The good news, the reason we can rejoice in the cross is because the grave couldn't hold him. Jesus paid for our sins and on that third day he conquered death and hell and the grave and through Jesus Christ you can conquer those things as well. All God's people said, Amen. Do you know Jesus this morning? Heads bowed and eyes closed. Do you know Jesus this morning? Are you going to the source of God's many blessings? Have you been to the cross? Have you been to Calvary? Have you given your life to Jesus? Bible proclaims that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you called upon His name? Have you said, Jesus, I know my sins separate me from you, but I know you love me. Jesus, I know you died for my sins and rose again, and I give you my heart. I'm sorry for my sins. Lord, I turn from my sins and I turn to you. Lord Jesus, save me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. And one more reminder, church, with heads bowed and eyes closed. This is not a decision that needs to be made tomorrow. This is not a decision that needs to be made next week. For tomorrow's not promised. Next week's not promised. I'll go a step further. This afternoon's not promised. The next second's not promised. All you have is now. Come to Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for all your many blessings. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. Lord, help us to rejoice no matter what we're going through, to be reminded you're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our worship. Lord, speak to the one who doesn't know you, the one that's far from you. God, bring them home this morning. Bless this time of invitation, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This is our invitation time. It's an opportunity for you to give your life to Jesus or if you've given your life to Jesus, this is an opportunity to come forward, go public with it and say, I've given my life to Jesus and I'm ready to follow in believer's baptism. Maybe you need to recommit your life. Maybe you've been attending, you've been journeying with us here at Second Baptist for some time, but you haven't, haven't joined with us yet and become a member and committed yourself in that way. Maybe God's saying, this is the day. Now's the moment. Now's the time. The only thing I ever ask of people, just listen to the Holy Spirit. He will never lead you the wrong way. Let's stand. Let's sing. You come if God's speaking to you this morning as we sing.